One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to The Naked Professors, episode four of February, which has been all about eating disorders. And we've finished the conversation with Zoe, Hope and Sheru, which is beautiful and came to a really lovely conclusion last week. What really mattered to me is that I introduced a guy into this conversation. And you'll hear why I, I give a bit of context as I sit in this space with Matthew Carter, who's a good friend of mine. And I've done a bit of an intro as I sat in the space with him because I wanted him to hear it. So there's not too much to say to this episode other than I think it's so important that I had this conversation that we brought alive a story from two men who talking about, I don't know, our struggles, our eating disorders, our, our reliance on, on our appearance, however you want to bracket it. But it's just a true and honest conversation about how that showed up for us as two men. So without further ado, I'll introduce the conversation with Matt Carter. So welcome to the Naked Professors podcast. I want to give a bit of a, a context to this conversation that's about to unfold because for the last three weeks, I've sat with the brilliant Sheru Hope and Zoe Hardman, and it was beautiful and impactful, and I hope it was helpful. Um, it was for me, anyhow, and just having that conversation. But I was conscious that that was the first three women that we've had on this series, and we just had a conversation about eating disorders, and there are a couple of messages that I received that I really understand now. At the time, when my ego was a little triggered, and I was like, ah, you know, it wasn't intentional for it to be perceived this way, but actually I can see how people saw it, and that was that the first women we had on the series was to talk about eating disorders and that that label automatically falls with women, which was not my intention. It's just that it's very hard to find men who talk about this stuff. It's hard to find men who talk about things in general. But as I sat and reflected on that space, a very good friend of mine came to light. And funnily enough, a couple of months ago, I sat with this gentleman um, to record a documentary that he was creating around eating disorders in men and kind of that, the unhidden stories that are around it. And he just obviously came direct to mind. And I was like, do you know what? I want to sit in this space. It's really important to me that I bring it alive, that I reflect the truth, that actually there are a lot of men who sit in this space. Uh, me being one, you know, I went on a very similar journey actually to, 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 to this gentleman I'm about to speak with. So I want to bring that to light. And it just a beautiful opportunity presented in that way. You know, it came from my ego being triggered. I'm, 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 I'm being accused of, of not sharing a, the truth of, of this. And that wasn't my intention, but it has given me the opportunity now to sit in this space. Anyway, I'm losing my words a bit. So I think what I want to do is um, welcome Mr. Matthew Carter to the stage first and foremost. Hey, Matt. Hey, Ben. Thank you very much for having me. No, not at all. Thank you. Thank you for, for sitting in this space with me. As I was kind of 
alluding to there, it's really important to me that I, I bring this conversation alive. And as we both know, we've we've had this conversation before. I really want to hear your story and to unfold and to allow us to dive into what, what was going on for, for both you and I, because there's some similarities. But first and foremost, as I always like to do, I'd love to have a heartfelt check-in and how you're actually feeling. Uh, there's a lot going on in the world right now. So Matt, how are you? You asked me that last week and I, I told you that I was I was having a bit of a flat week. I think we got to a point with with the restrictions and not being able to go out and interact with our friends and I felt completely deflated and, and I let the, the emotions kind of just bubble up amongst the day and, and I could feel it. And we discussed briefly a podcast that I think we both listened to about the importance of social interactions and how much that moment of going to the shop and saying thank you to the barista or the train conductor or your friend at the park, whoever that might be, those little moments that we have throughout the day, they essentially fill up your your happiness tyre. Uh, when you don't have those moments of social interaction, the tyre the starts to deflate. Um, but this week is is been completely different. I mean, I'm quite fortunate and very grateful that I'm, I'm a type 1 diabetic, but I was able to get the COVID vaccine on Friday. Um, and uh, I was in and out in no time. And then Saturday, Sunday, it really started to feel like spring is finally on the way. So my, my, my head has been in a completely different space because I just I, I struggle with the feeling of the unknown and not being able to plan anything, just like, just like many other people at the moment. And there is a real sense at the moment that we're moving towards um, some form of normality. But it's just interesting how different your headspace can be just throughout a few days. But I think, you know, when I was feeling flat, I, I spoke to my partner about that. And it's the, it's the best thing that you can do. And I think the worst thing at the time is is to go on a, a or talk on about social media and the impact that it has on eating disorders and um, a very unspoken topic. But I think I had a bit of a, a social media binge as well and just and just felt rotten. But Ben, I'm not going to lie, I'm, I'm full of beans this morning. I think it's been back on with you like twice in a week. It's going to me full of joy endless copious amounts of joy do you know you're the first person who's ever said that so. <laughs> i hope i'm not the last <laughs> no listen i'm taking full credit for it you know um I want, I, want, I, want, I want a letter of appreciation and you know this is what i can do to people's days everyone yeah. <laughs> no i'm grateful and i felt the same the same thing actually on saturday being out and about it was really warm the sun was out and it was like oh that's real you know i just i don't know if it was the weather but it kind of almost I was like, there is optimism, isn't there? there, there is. This is, we're, we're coming out of this. It's, it's things are changing. And I, I can see us all being out and about like this in the sunshine and, yeah. and summer's coming. And I don't know. It really? just... like you, you bounce so much off people's body language and how people gesticulate and things around you. And it, I don't know that people seem to be walking a bit more chest up kind of thing over the weekend, which is, which was really nice. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Although I've got to say, Monday mornings come and slap me around the face and said, oh, you, you've got a lot to do. So forget about that good mood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you've got stuff to do, Ben. You've got stuff to do, Ben. Stop enjoying life. Come on, get on. Yeah, exactly. My God, I'm feeling like this is, this is, this is a long week in store. But it's good, though. I am, I, like you, I'm feeling that underlying excitement of what's around the corner now hopefully and we'll see what, what Boris has got to say with this absolutely and you know even after coming after the podcast with you on Friday it was just uh there was a little kind of just spring in the step just because I, I miss that social connection so much and I know that for anybody out there who perhaps is missing that at the moment just just the importance of, of a phone call or or a zoom chat not doesn't necessarily have to be with you Ben by all means um but uh, best. yeah best the, the best <laughs> yeah 
yeah, no, I'm, I'm um, although I listen, I, I'm, I've never really, I haven't spoken about this on podcast at all, but I have created a platform called Heartspace, which is all about that. It's allowing people to be seen, heard, and valued, you know, and, and it is online, of course, but that's where we're restricted to. But it's really geared around that. It's allowing people to experience connection because never before have we experienced this kind of stuff. And we're human beings who need to connect, who need to be around others to, to, to you know, like I'm exactly the same as you when we had that conversation, you know, it feels like, I don't know, you just, you've just been felt, you know, you've just connected with someone and it's a beautiful internal feeling. Nothing's changed in your external world, but something you just feel a little, well, I'm not speaking for you, but I feel a little bit more alive after I've had those conversations and it's it's like, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm me and I'm, I'm, I'm I'm, like, I feel heard and I feel accepted and it's nice, you know? Mm. Well, absolutely. And it's, it's, it's been listened to, isn't it? I know we, we wrapped up the podcast and I said, I, I listened to that Oprah Winfrey when she was being interviewed recently uh, about her show. And she said, it doesn't matter, you know, who I was interviewing, be it Beyonce or George Bush or Barack Obama. At the end of every single conversation, everybody lent into her and said, you know, was that okay? And she interpreted that as over the years as, you know, am I being listened to? Are you listening to me? And just to have somebody to listen to you is, is so important important mm, it really really is yeah well i'm grateful to be back here and sitting in the space and you know this is the, the, the theme of today is about really letting ourselves be seen and heard because we're talking about vulnerable stuff and you know when we get into that complexities of, of things that perhaps aren't in theory our proudest moments they're things that we've perhaps buried a little bit because i don't know they're not stereotypically rewarded in society that you don't tend to get <clears throat> excuse me you don't tend to get pats on the back for, for the things that we're about to talk about it's more kind of no hide them away let's not let's not go into this stuff because i don't know it's it doesn't feel like something to be proud of but that allows us to be seen at an even deeper level you know it's like even more of our truth has just has been shared and that's that's even more powerful and that for me one of the powers of vulnerability so yeah i'm excited to experience that with you absolutely mate. yeah looking forward to getting stuck into this let's do it the reason that we're here is because the theme for this month on, 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 on this podcast has been eating disorders. And as I say, I sat with three women for three weeks and it was beautiful and, and that conversation unraveled. But um, as we both know, eat, eating disorders is not a female, uh, uh, female well, certainly female only um, challenge. This is very much something that goes on with men. It's just it's not discussed in the same ways. And perhaps it's, it's perceived differently within society that if men are... are having challenges in this area it's just perceived differently um to women um and there's a whole lot of stats and data that 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 well you'll know from your documentary but around how like everything is framed to be set up around this being a female gender problem and we want to have a conversation to say hey that's really not true and actually this is a something that that's not discussed anything like it should be so i'm really grateful to get into it and, and i'd love to just start with your story if we can like what, what why are we having this conversation why are you what's what's your story around eating yeah of course and first of all i think i want to say as well that you know the way society is set up currently around eating disorders i i don't blame you in the slightest for for not bringing uh, initially a man on board into the conversation after we recorded last week, it did give me a bit of time to think about and process a few more things over the weekend. And I was able to kind of dig into the archives a little bit more. It's funny, I think when you do, I, I love talking about unspoken topics just because they're awkward. And I, I think you, you're able to find so much from awkwardness and, and vulnerability. Um, but, but we kind of know that less than 1% of all eating disorder, well, the research around it focuses on males. Um, 
there's an omission of males from research on eating disorders primarily because it's seen as a as a, as a stigma that's attached with a, or, or a female illness and um for me i got into my the, the way i got into it, i suppose even saying it now like having a form of disordered eating even saying to say that you know have an eating disorder was it's still uncomfortable now um but the lifestyle that i led at the time it was very much an uncomfortable and disordered way of eating and, and training and how I'd occlude friends. And um, I, just like many other guys, really, Ben, I, I was started playing rugby in school. I was 16, 17. All the other lads were, were much bigger than me. I got focused on the gym. I got obsessed with it. I got into my, I wanted to be bigger, always wanted to be bigger. I was tracking my calories, tracking my macros. Uh, I just thought this was a perfectly normal thing about being a guy right um uh during the the reagan era of the 80s we see these films coming out the the schwarzeneggers the stallones and and these films they 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 go all around the world and we get this idea this that that men this is how they should look they should be huge they should be jacked they should be ripped um and i fell into that and then i got into an obsession of wanting to be as lean as possible um and it really took over a big part of my life for 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 a couple of years and i, I like to think that there is a scale with i think where people sit uh, i was never on the you know the, the top end of the scale but it was something that had a a huge impact on on my relationships on on my friend groups and how i'd spend my time you know you you'd wake up in the morning You'd step on the scales if the weight had shifted down. You'd you'd be in a good mood for the day if the weight had shifted up. You'd be in a bad mood for the day. Then you'd continue that energy with you throughout the rest of throughout the rest of the day, really. Um, and then it it got to a point where I think because of the connections and the people around me, I, I realised that I was overdoing it. I was um, I was training twice a day. I was tracking my calories meticulously. I was I was barely points you know on like 1800 calories a day um but at the time i never thought of it as as, as an eating disorder i just thought and it's funny the whole scope of the, the fitness industry and we've both spent a big part of our lives in it is that you can camouflage an eating disorder so well within it because if you look healthy on the outside then by god there can't be anything wrong with you in the inside so i really got interested in this unspoken area especially about male eating disorders and i decided to do a documentary on this um we know that one in ten men training in gyms across the uk suffer from muscle dysmorphia uh and to be honest ben i think the numbers is going to be much higher just because it's a taboo to talk about it about 30 percent of those men will have a medically diagnosable eating disorder and it's funny, do you know, what? I was listening to, uh, I know you've interviewed Johnny Wilkinson in the past, and, and I, I came across a clip of his last night, and it, it really made me sit up, because basically, he, I was he was just talking about who was going to be the next 10 for the Lions, and I was like, oh, Johnny Wilkinson talking about that, I'd be quite interested. And they got into the conversation of social media, and um, he was asked, what impact do you think it would have had on, on your career if you were to have social media? And he was saying, Look, I came into it on, on, the, on the end of my career. I know I had to build a brand around myself, but I think for somebody like Johnny Wilkinson, it was already there. And it's such an important factor these days. But he was talking about how much of our potential in life is given away to what people think of us. And I think, Ben, we can both relate to that, right? I think sometimes you, you live in fear constantly of not doing something in your life because the fear of judgment. 
and he spoke about what people think of us is is essentially it's never in our control and never should it be it means that you're forever being led by others um, and I'm going to tie this back into the eating disorders in a moment, but he says that you're forever being led by others. Um, and it's about having an inner grounding rather than an external. So it's you that's doing the leading, not the other way around. It's it's very easy. Like say, Ben, you woke up this morning and you read something about, oh, Ben, your podcast isn't very good or something like that. If you read that before you came on, that type of energy that you carry, it can then perpetuate into this and it, it bounces in to the other people that, that you have in your life. But I think you, what the issue is, is is with social media and I suppose eating disorders is that you give your power to people that you've, you've never met. Um, and for me, I came into mine when Instagram was just starting to become a thing and I would wake up, I'd compare myself to these YouTubers and I was forever doing it. And I was forever, I suppose, living my life on somebody else's terms. Um, and I did that. And I think it's very relevant to how eating disorders c- can develop because even before social media, it's, it's you're constantly worried and fixated on what other people think about you. And I thought that point from Johnny Wilkinson, it was really interesting because he was very much, you know, if you give your power over to people every single day, it's going to have a point, you know, there's going to be a point where perhaps you will snap or you will need to seek medical help for it. And I think it, that ties in nicely to that's definitely something that I did Ben. it's definitely something that I struggled with I always wanted um, external satisfaction from from somebody else I wanted the lads to say oh Matt you look like you've you've put on a bit of chunk there you put on a bit of timber over over the summer period you're looking good and, and it, I always thought it would make me feel better I always thought I'd be able to in my early 20s I suppose my, my hedonistic years that I'd be able to to be more attractive to women that was a, a key component of it as well um, and that's something that we both spoke about on the podcast. But but then you, you do get leaner. You see the numbers dropping and dropping and dropping. And then it gets to a point where the numbers on the scales, they can't drop any further. And it's like, well, what happens then? So, yeah, that, that was kind of my initial story with it. And then, then the, that was the drive for me to go out and, and begin the documentary. And we got to speak to some fantastic people and learn some incredible things, which I'm you know, delighted to share with you on this. You're so right in everything you said. And, and actually, one of the reasons that I wanted to have this conversation this month, because obviously January, there's everyone setting new goals, but also with lockdown at the moment, people are spending more time on social media. There's more comparison. There's stories that I'm hearing of, you know, teenage girls and well, and boys, let's be honest, now we're having this conversation, but sitting there on their social medias more than ever, comparing their lives more than ever, and physically having to try and change their, their, their appearance for external validation more than ever which you know it's, it's i can totally especially having what you listening to what you just said completely understand completely relate to i guess what like what i'd love to say because my story is similar to yours you know I, it was all about external validation and i thought if i if i if i changed my physique then i'd, I'd feel better you know I'd, I'd be more accepted and in some ways that did work in some ways it did you know there was more acceptance there was more validation as you all know people do make nice comments about your physique and girls do go oh look at that kind of a little bit more you know there is all that but it but it's not really changing the relationship you have internally with yourself and I think that that is a way deeper journey than just the external change and I think this is where I'm getting to I'd love to to bring this to you because there's nothing wrong with being healthy right there's nothing wrong with looking good you know keeping yourself in good shape and having aesthetic goals and wanting to to be able to to perform well 
right? Where are we getting to in terms of, I mean, I don't know if I had an eating disorder or if I just was driven to be the best of who I can be. Like, do you have any kind of perspective on why, where you kind of, having brought the documentary live, what, what's an eating disorder and what isn't? What, you know, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, of course. No, absolutely. And I think it's, it's a really interesting point because um, here's the thing. So with being diagnosed with an eating disorder, there's, there's pros and cons to both. Okay, So for a lot of people, Ben, you can, for some, it can be a, a massive relief because you know what it is. Um, you can get treatment and then hopefully make a full recovery. But then on the other side of it, it can be a massive burden. So it can be seen to oversimplify much of what human or our human behavior is. Um, but I think most importantly, it can also be very, well, it, they can provide labels, which are often overstigmatizing. So that's, for me, I, I never went out to seek medical or, or professional help because of fear of those labelings. But for some people who do receive a diagnosis with, with an eating disorder, it, it can be life-changing because you can put a foot forward and you can make a, a road to a full recovery. But I think this is where it ties into our narrative of what it means to be a man, is that taking that first step to to put your hand up and say, perhaps I do have a form of disordered eating here. And when I set out to do the documentary, I, I put a message out through social media and I asked look, I, I'm looking for some guys to open up around the conversation. And, and 90% of the response was actually from from women saying, I think this is something my partner has, which it kind of, it hits the nail on the head that the guys aren't comfortable enough to come forward with the conversation. And a driving force throughout the documentary as well, Ben, is that it's, eating disorders is something that's primarily seen as, as a feminine issue. You know, if you go to uh, an eating disorder clinic, a lot of the branding, it can be very feminine. A lot of the websites that you look at, a lot of the marketing materials, they all point towards towards women. And there's also the myth around it that most males with an eating disorder are, are gay. So that then ties back into how we view homosexuality still and the stigmas that, that are attached to that. So I... I, I never really started openly discussing my disordered eating until I started to do a bit more work on social media and um, and put the documentary together because it's just, it's knowing where to turn to to have a conversation. Let's take you, for example, Ben. When you're going through your early 20s, you, you start lifting in the gym and then it becomes obsessive, it becomes compulsive. Do you have friends that you could have turned to to, to, to discuss this issue or would you have been a bit too embarrassed to do so no no chance yeah no exactly. chance like never a conversation to be had it was like but that, that's that's i think you know the perception is it's like the more weights you're doing the heavier you're doing the more protein you're having but for me the bigger i got and obviously some people everyone's got different aesthetic goals but for me it was all like it was only ever positive yeah it's only could only see the positives in any of it um and it did generally bring more like validation um externally i guess like the, the the thing for me with all of this is that that's the whole point is that it's like with society is that we're playing a game that will never win because whilst it brought some validation i remember feeling i'm really like this is a really strong memory if i ever met someone who was like just completely not bothered by my physique or was clearly in better physical condition than me 
there was an element of intimidation. You know, automatically my stigma, my 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 natural response internally was they're better than me, and I felt less than in that moment. And that's that's like living that way is it's just a, like I love the the phrase that says competition destroys connection, and I was living in a constant competition, and that for me is really unhealthy, really unhealthy. Um, I don't know if you went is it similar for you. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think there's one point I wanted to just to to go over, and you know, we discussed it as well when I sat down to you for the um, for the for the episode. Is that I'm never saying exercise is a bad thing. You brought up the point that um, you know it can actually be a driving force to make us better. You know, for me, it's it's a it's a coping mechanism. I get a little bit. Um, I can't sit still. I'm quite fidgety, so I need to get out and about and run, be as active as I can. I, I don't do it for the physical or how I look so much. The benefits of that, but what I do do it for is is the psychological benefits. But I do remember. It's funny. We we were talking about barbecues the other day for some reason, just because obviously spring's coming up and. I remember for some reason, uh, uh, just a, an image came into my head about probably eight years ago, nine years ago, when I was kind of in the the height of my um, obsession with tracking my foods and everything. I remember turning up to a barbecue, and it's a scorching hot summer's day, and I saw a bunch of my mates from uni who I hadn't seen in ages, and one of the guys there, he was always in pretty good nick, but like something had happened, he was taking it to another level, and I remember he was there, he was the only guy with his top off. And I just remembered that he looked like, like the statue of David, like he'd literally just been carved out of stone. And for the whole, it was so bizarre, Ben, because the whole day, all I could focus on was, God, I need to, I need to really knuckle down a bit here. Look how good he looks in comparison. And this was the first time I'd seen some of these lads in in year, in in a couple of years. And instead of me enjoying the moment of being there with them. I was obsessed with how this guy looked and it stayed with me for weeks. I mean, it stayed with with me obviously for years because for some reason the image flashed back in my head and I was kind of like proud of myself as to where my journey's come now. But I think this is something especially that a lot of guys will relate to, Ben. Like if you're going to, I don't know, let's just say you're going to a, a beach club in Ibiza or something and you've got those guys there who look a certain way. I'd say most most guys will feel slightly intimidated when they see that, and, and I really did, and that's something that, that really stuck with me. And and it wasn't, I could have seen that in two different lights. Really, I could have said, "Wow, you know, he's been putting the work in. Fair play to him." But I didn't. I took a immediately. I started to speak negatively about myself, and I was like, "You are." Like you've been really sloppy here. You've really let yourself go. When in truth, I, I really hadn't at all. And then I carried those thoughts with me. And it's amazing how much it will completely consume your life as well. Like it, it affects your relationships with your partners. It affects your relationship with your friends. It affects your your work output. Like it's the most consuming thing. Yet it's completely unspoken for, for guys to discuss this. And, and I think, you know, just us sitting down and going through this and little moments like that because i really hope if there's guys who do listen to this they'll go yeah i've, I've definitely been there um have you been in that situation ben, with, with friends in the past definitely definitely you know and i'm just i'm just listening while you're talking and just thinking yeah the thing with that because i think that i'm trying to put myself in, in, in the shoes of me i guess 15 years ago who, who would have definitely been in that space and what was wrong with that and the first thing that comes to mind is that 
you know, there's a real lack of presence when we, when we, you know, when we are, when we get there and we're looking around going, oh, yeah, you know, God, he, look at that bloke, look at this, da, 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 da. You're not present actually in the moment. You're, you're going into your thoughts of comparison and why you're not good enough. And it takes you away from being who you really are. I know it sounds quite basic, but the knock-on effects of having that conversation in your head are, are pretty big. You know, you really stop being who you are. Like naturally, if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're having that conversation going, God, I'm not good enough in this moment. Look at that guy. He's way better than me. Now suddenly your ego is, 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 is alive and kicking. And now suddenly that, that really might impact your behavior. You're like, I need to do this now. I'm going to have to get more drunk. I'm going to have to be more of a clown. I'm going to have to be louder like than him. I'm going to have to like really like, you know, put him down in some way because I need to elevate myself. You know, suddenly we lose actually the truth of who we are as a person and we start becoming just this competition um, that, as you say, has all sorts of knock-on effects. And I know we live in a society that says competition is healthy and, you know, it could be a driver and everything else. And, you know, I, I get that. And, there, you know, there's no doubt that that can really drive. And I know a lot of, there's some stats around Olympic athletes and medal winners about where, where their motivation came from. It was so often to prove people wrong, you know, or to external motivation, external drivers. So it can lead you to great things. But I guess the whole purpose of where I'm coming from and, and really working on these days, continuing to work on, is it being less about how you look and appear and what everyone thinks of you and more about what you feel about yourself. And that's not what you feel about yourself because other people tell you. It's what you feel about yourself when you look at yourself in the mirror and not judge yourself for how you appear physically, but how you feel about the way you're showing up in your life, the person you're being, like what you're giving to, to the world. I know it sounds a bit of a cliche and this will drive probably um, maybe a step too far for, for some men. I don't want to, to preempt that. But, you know, ultimately how much love is inside of you? How much love are you sharing? How much what relationships are you building? How deeply connected are you to others and yourself? All this kind of stuff, which none of it is particularly manly. You know, what is manly is to be the leader of the pack, to look great, to be really good at what you do, to, to be earning lots of money to be getting loads of girls, to having loads of success. And we can do that all we want. And we look at male suicide rates, you know, and, and they're obviously incredibly high comparatively to women. For me, it's because we go around chasing the wrong things. You know, we, we, we are chasing all this external stuff and we're doing what we need to do to chase, chase, chase and to get these wins, to present this successful life that looks great. But internally, we're, we're not there. We're not connected. We're not loving who we are. And with that, we do try and drive our behavior in other ways. We do try and, you know, get one over someone else. We do try and do something a bit shady to make that extra money so people do think we're more successful. We do get our fixes in gambling or from parties. We start losing ourselves a little bit. And then from there, the relationship we have in the mirror, we stop we're not being the person that we actually we know at truth we actually are underneath it all and with that it's a pretty horrible place to live if you don't like fundamentally the person you are it's 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 challenging to live um or to live with yourself you know that that's it sounds pretty grotesque but that's that's where i'm get i get to you know no i mean it's yeah it's completely plausible a big takeaway from that was you know will this particular aesthetic give me give me worth and, and I thought you know after coming away from from that barbecue all those years ago I thought okay when I get to this shape when I get to this size 
I'll get much more approval from others because it's their it's their validation that that's important. And you know, you did touch on when we were doing the research for for the episode. You know, worst case scenario is that we do know that suicide rates in men is higher. We we looked at a chap called Ollie Loin who who was eighteen when he started taking steroids. He then suffered two heart attacks uh, and a stroke when he was nineteen, and then uh, a third heart attack killed him when he was when he was nineteen years old, all because of you know, chasing that he wanted to be bigger and his body just couldn't keep up with it. But to go back to, to your very question at the start as well, Ben, I think we is we watched To Olivia over the weekend, which is basically a film about Roald Dahl and his uh, story about losing his child. So I know I'm going a little bit off on a tangent here. But there was so much childlike behaviour throughout the film. You see this in the parents. And that's why I think this week I've just got a little bit more of a kind of childlike spring in my step because... There's so much focus as, as we grow up, we get consumed on what it is to be an adult and, and how we should behave. But then it's it's that childlike behavior that's that's so fresh and, and it's um it's so exciting. I think it's so it's so easy to, to get wound up as, as being an adult and the, the burdening uh the burden of it. But we just you know, this childlike play that that's sometimes forgotten is is so it's so powerful and just just being able to to get outside and, and go for those walks and and act like a kid again is is something i think we probably do too much of that in our house anyway the neighbors give us funny looks all the time but uh yeah it, i just just strip i've been able to strip a few things back this this week and ju- just focus on many more of the important things yeah i'm with you so important and again like relating this all in you know, competition isn't play. Exactly. You know, that it's it's there, there can be an element like like Compt- Brené Brown talks about this a lot. She says when animals, like when they're playing, it's the the one who's kind of leading almost softens and like lets the other one play with them. So if they, you know if it's two whatever two dogs, they they won't the big one won't just pound the other one into the ground and take satisfaction from I'm bigger and stronger than you it will like sort of, you know, surrender a bit and roll over and let, let, let and it will all be a big game and playful. And that's, that's when it, when it comes to kind of what we were talking about in our past, it wasn't play, you know, it was like, I need to do this to feel better. Yeah. Um, it comes from fear, not, not, not love. And you're so right. It's, you know, it's, and I, and I, and I'm, I hold my hands up here as a, as a guy, it's something I'm constantly working on is releasing that play, releasing that inner child, releasing that, like, let myself be silly. Um, it's something I didn't associate with at growing up in my 20s. I, I, of course I did, but I had to get drunk generally to allow myself to to, to, to be that way. That was yeah. how I could find my liberation. But day to day, it was like, no, this is serious. I need to, I need to get success. Then everything will be great, you know? And I was fixated on that. And, and my body image was was a big part of that. You know, so I'm I'm with you. Absolutely, and I I think I, I was very similar throughout my twenties. I think that there was a huge part of me that that would play, but it would only come out when I was uh, after ten pints. Like I was only oh now I can play now I can act foolish, and so sometimes it would go too far and I'd do stupid things that you'd regret the next day, as, as we've all done. But it got to a, it's where competition is so rife. I felt I could only let that that childlike behaviour come through after I'd consumed 10 pints in the pubs, in the pub when it, when in fact, you know, I, I didn't truly need that. Yeah. 
and, I, and it probably wouldn't be quite so bad if 10 pints were made me feel good the next day and I could get up yeah. and get on my day and feel proud of myself, you know, but <laughs> the loathing that comes after 10 pints the next day, you're like, oh, oh God, God and then yeah. instantly I need to have another 10 pints now because I feel so bad. <laughs> exactly. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. So, yeah, I'm totally with you. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'd love to ask, like, what what was the um, what was the point of change for you, where you kind of thought, Do you know what, like, this isn't really that great for me, and I'm, I'm I, I can I think life could be better if I if I made a change. How did that unravel for you? Yeah, I mean, I I got so obsessed with it to a point when I I did a couple of no, I did sorry one like bodybuilding show, and I remember putting in all the work for it, and it's a similar kind of. I think a lot of people do that in the fitness industry. I thought the only way when I was in it was to to get validation was to to get as lean as possible so that I'd get kind of validation from other people in the fitness industry, other people with more Instagram followers than me. So I thought, do you know what would be a good idea to do this? What I'll do is I'll I'll go and I'll put some tiny pants on, I'll spray myself orange and I'll stand on stage looking like a tangerine. Um, and I went through this for like 12 weeks and I was living with my brother at the time and I remember distinctively like the last week my calories were next to nothing and he came in and he ordered a huge pizza and me and my brother were, were really tight and I just snapped at him. I just snapped. I was like, you, you're just the worst type of human for ordering this food when you know I can't eat that. And it was pretty soon after that that I thought, oh, something, something's not right here. That's not normal to, to snap at somebody who I care so much about. Um, and you know, it took me a little bit of time to come off of my fitness pal. I got, I got hooked to that. And you know, as working as a coach before, it's great sometimes because it gives people awareness as to how much they're eating. But it goes the other way as well. You know, it's the dose that makes the poison of anything. I was consumed by it. I'd, I'd go into the shop. I'd, everything that I was getting, I would scan with my fitness pal, and I'd be so meticulous with the numbers. And oh, I've gone on my calories a bit one day. I need to drop them down the next day. And all those. All those little moments, they started to build up. And I think I just had a, a moment of revelation, really, that I couldn't continue with this. So I kind of just weaned myself off of um, my fitness pal. 
Um, but it, it's something in our culture and as guys, it's something that really is truly ingrained in us. You know, we can see the, the action figures today that each generation of action figure that comes out is, is more large, it's more full, it's uh, much more muscular. Um, I, and I think this has a huge impact on, you know, I'm going to be a, a father in July and it's, it's something that I think differently about now is, is being able to think, Oh wow! Perhaps this had it. This had a huge impact on my life. I want to start this conversation now, so somebody I care about in the future doesn't have to go through it. So let's say I don't know if you guys. If I, yeah, you do, you do know you're having a girl, aren't you? We That's are. Right. Yeah. 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 I was just going to say. Okay. So like one day, if you have a if you have a little boy, mm. um, I guess you know you don't want him to go through. You would like him to have more freedom than what we're talking about from our experiences, right? Where he could. Um, you know, look like however he wanted to look and still be happy and not need to go through this process, this competition, if you like, with everyone else as to how he appears. Because I guess you know the pain, right? And you know the limiting circumstances of what that meant for you. Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, as generations go on, but we do get more more open with it. You know, it's very easy to to attach the older generation of, of being very set in their ways, but it, it was it was very very different for my dad's generation. Just like it will be very different for my for my daughters, maybe my sons one day's generation, and it'll be very different for their generation after that. But I think with the work that we are doing now, I'm confident in the fact that my son perhaps one day wouldn't have to seek external validation like I had to because because the conversation is there but it's still really hard Ben because you know the driving force and the key message that came out of of the episode was that we needed a lot of the guys said is that we need women to help us on this journey to begin a conversation Um, I think we're, we're both quite open characters but how do we get this conversation going with uh you know the the 22 lads that are sitting in the football changing room like how do you normalize that that conversation and it's the little things that we do now that i think that are going to prove that that we can but the reoccurring theme came out that you know this is something that we need we still need a lot of help with it is and like as you say the action figures and the and the the, the films you know the, the the heroes who are perceived and presented in certain ways it doesn't it doesn't help but i i think it is changing i hope it is changing so let's let's hope you know if we're if we're sitting in the space and we're saying okay so we're not validated and by the way that don't this could be a bit of a i, I don't know if you're going to know the answer so please just sit in the space with me if you don't and let's just talk about it but um if we're not validated by our appearance and we're not validated by um uh, how many girls we sleep with or what job we've got and how much money we're earning and what house we own and what car we drive like what are we what are we validated by what 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 is the what are we trying to achieve because for me that was everything in my 20s you know there wasn't anything else in fact i remember i'm gonna just really quickly tell a story i remember meeting a, a girl having a beautiful relationship with a girl in ibiza actually kind of a holiday romance and it like we spent so much time together i remember thinking geez i'm gonna have to get in a relationship with her out here and I'm like almost not having a breakdown. It sounds very dramatic, but the anxiety that was coming into me thinking, but what am I going to talk? I've been single for about, I don't know, eight years or something. And I was thinking, but what am I going to talk to the lads about? Like, are my friends still going to be friends with me if, I, if I'm going out with this girl? Like, who am I? If I've, like, I don't love my job. All I am is the fact that I go out, I'm, I'm in okay shape and I, and I get with girls. Like, and I have stories around that. Who am I otherwise? 
Like, what am I? So I'd love to throw that at you because that was all I knew. Obviously, I know things differently, but I'd love to just sit in that space and, and hear what you've got to say about that. Yeah, but I think like personally now, but the biggest struggles that I have, uh, I think as far as body image concerns or anything go, like, don't get me wrong, but that's a part of my life that I, I've gone through. I think I've, I've figured out how to combat it, but it's still, it's never left me. There are still days when I'll look, catch myself in the mirror and go, ooh, but I can get past that now. Now, if that would have happened, if we were going through COVID, say eight years ago, with with the gyms and everything closed now, and and up, you know, as silly as it may sound, my heart goes out to people who are really struggling with this at the moment. Because for me, if I wasn't able to step foot in a gym eight years ago, I would have completely lost the plot. But now I've kind of I've put a few kind of coping mechanisms in place. But I think as I get older as well, that the more questions. I- I ask myself, it's kind of like, like what is, is, is kind of going to be my real purpose over the next few years? And in my early 20s, all my purpose was, was to, was to go out, get drunk, find women, probably have relationships that meant nothing because I wasn't ready to, you know, anytime I got into relationships, I was like, oh no, um, you know, I need to go kind of back out with the guys and back into the gym. And there's this kind of perpetual cycle of that because I thought it would give me you know, worth and uh, and validation, but I've moved away from that now. And I do. There are days when I do still struggle of of what kind of my worth is and and what what I'm here for. And over asking questions to the universe now. But like, there are days when I'll just sit and go, hmm, what is what is really kind of this life's purpose? But I do have uh, you know little coping mechanisms. You know, I write down every day the, the kind of a little non-negotiable list of three things that I have to do. And one can just be to read in the morning. Other exercise will always be in there, even if it's a walk. And third will always be to to reach out for somebody. And and then I have a an MIT task, so most important task to do throughout the day. And that gives me a little bit of structure and routine. And I think at the moment we need that now more so than ever. But I think, yeah, the underlying answer to that, Ben, is that I do have, I think it's the unknown. And there's part of me that's always like, oh, God, you know, I should know what I'm doing by now. Like, I should know exactly what path I should be on. But then there's part of me that goes, you know, going back to the, the childlike qualities that we spoke about before, that doesn't really give a shit about that. And, and to be honest, mate, like, all of us make it up as we go along, aren't we? Like, we don't really know what we're here for we don't really know how long we're here for it's kind of enjoying the experience and and that internal struggle that we do have that constantly goes back and forth and I think that struggle sometimes is a good thing because you know you you're able to learn a lot about your self-worth and your character through through the toughest of times and we need that um, and I know you said as well you know what about these thoughts that you've got in your head what if they're a driving force for you to be just for you to be better and then it's it's finding kind of that equilibrium with it and I struggled with that in my early 20s yeah I totally hear you I do have moments like that when you when you when you you kind of just go hmm like what what is my real purpose with with everything at the moment or 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 you know, where, what will I be doing in 10 years time? I think we all do. We don't really talk about it, but that's probably the one thing that I wouldn't say I'm actually a a hugely anxious person, but I do at times it will cause a little like flutter in my stomach and go, Ooh, right. Okay. Where, where will I be in 10 years time? What will I be doing? I haven't figured it out. I haven't figured it out, but I I do believe I've understood what I'm, I'm here for now. 
and I just don't talk about it that much because I think it's language that men won't really get and it's not stereotypically you know if someone said this to me 10 years ago even I would have been like oh do me a favor like you're you're different to me Mm. so I'm always conscious that I won't be relatable when I share this and I I believe this is a human experience this isn't just an experience for me but I don't want to project it onto everyone but I've learned that the purpose is is to love and to, to be love and to express love to allow love to love yourself to um to 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 share love with others and to be in loving meaningful relationships and everything else unfolds from there that is all like very very internal that is all within us i know that obviously that there's you know sharing love with someone else requires someone else but we can like we can start with love ourselves it's something that we can experience and we can top it up express expressing and sharing with someone but for me it's about finding and unwrapping and uncovering and allowing love to flow and i'm saying this as a guy now who who's who's, who's done a lot of work and 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 unwrap that but as i say 10 years ago i was like i couldn't tell my mum was very special couldn't even tell my mum i loved her and love was just so foreign to me i just thought i'm it's just hippies peace and love like like it's not for me and it's kind of this almost this sense of shame that now i'm like oh my god like i i was so against this stuff like just leave me alone i just want to mm. play rugby and go and get drunk like that's my fun and it's like okay my purpose now is to allow me to experience and and, and let as much love be my driver that and i want to ask you about what are we if we're not girls and we're not our job and everything else like for me if i'm stripping that back like well, yeah, I'm, I'm just love. That, that's what's inside of me. And I really believe like our levels, of, to put this down to mental health, I really believe that like, how we feel generally comes down to how much love we're allowing ourselves to experience. It's a huge part of it. And that's love for ourselves and, and love for others. And, you know, I see a lot of pain out there, particularly from men who don't allow love. And I just, that that's where I've got to. And I know that sounds a bit preachy and maybe a bit unrelatable to many, but I have to share that that's my truth. Um, it, is, it is as unmanly as it may be and as foreign as it was for me so long ago. If I really loved myself, I wouldn't need needed anyone else's validation. I wouldn't have needed to try and appear a certain way. I wouldn't have needed to be in competition with anyone because I'm already experiencing love. I already love myself. So that's kind of where I've got to with all this. And I, I do believe if I show up in that way, my purpose just naturally unravels. And I believe my purpose is is written in what I'm doing and having conversations like this and sharing what I do on my blog. Um, if I'm honest, but that's kind of where I've got to. That's yeah, it's just, it's so interesting to hear because it's one of the most natural human emotions or instincts, isn't it? And we know it brings so much, but yeah, it's so, it's like the Holy grail getting through to it, getting to it is, is so difficult, but yeah, we know when we are in that state, it brings so, so much fulfillment and it shows we don't need to do the extra hours at work or we don't need to, you know, buy, buy the other car. You've got everything that you need. And um, I came out and I did a piece of camera to you after we spoke. Um, uh, and I, I said directly, I was like, you know, I know Ben has done a lot of work with love and, and finding love and giving love to people. And for a lot of guys, they would struggle with that. And I was completely honest. And I think I would struggle with that. But I think as maybe it's an age in it and it's it's a maturity thing as well. But I, I think, you know, one of the key takeaways that I just want to give to any guys listening to this, but most likely partners of guys that they think might be going through it is that 
we had a guy on who is a, an exercise psychologist whilst um, doing the, the unspoken episode. Um, and he said the most important thing when you've got to begin this conversation, because it is an uncomfortable, it's an awkward conversation, is that you need to come to it with a, from a position of com- compassion and kindness. And I, I think a lot of the time when you come into a situation with uh, being judgmental, it puts people's back up against the wall immediately. So if I was addressing my 21-year-old self, I would ease myself into into the conversation. I'd want to find out a little bit more about the reasons why they're exercising, um, why they're doing this. And then from there, you can take the conversation to to another level if, if you need to get further help from there. Totally. Yeah, that's great, Matt. I'm with you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm just really grateful for your time and sharing your, your story and sitting in this space with you, if yeah. I'm honest, because it's Thank you so good. much, yeah. And that's, you know, we spoke about at the start, just uh, I know it's not face-to-face human connection, but it's some form of human connection. Yeah, it's really nice to do it. Thanks, mate. No, me too. Yeah, it's beautiful to sit in that space with you. Thank you. I'm really grateful. Thank you. Matt Carter, thank you very much for, for sharing this conversation with me. Thank you for letting me uh, open up about it, Ben. Much appreciated. So there we go. Thank you so much for listening. Because this one, I think we got a little bit deeper into the, just the, the stories, the emotions, the, the, the thoughts, the, 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 the templates of why um, we went on the journeys that we did. And I hope that helps and I hope it resonates. So thank you so much for listening. And Matt, thank you so much for sitting in the space and sharing with me. I'm really, really grateful for you doing that. There aren't many men who I can have that conversation with. So really grateful. Thank you. If you think this might resonate with anyone you know or a partner or anyone you think it's applicable to, we'd love to, 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 to ask for any help and support that you're willing to provide by sharing it with them um, and to try and make a difference so um, please rate review and subscribe um, and follow us on the naked professors podcast on instagram where we'll be sharing some clips and just yeah thank you for listening i hope you found it helpful and please understand that we're no experts but we just wanted to sit in the space and allow the conversation to be had so um, it's important that i did that as you you will have heard in the podcast so thank you thank you for listening and uh, next month we'll be back with a brand new theme and a roundtable conversation so i hope you can join us then thank you hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.